welcome to our latest Tap Talks HR podcast. This time we are talking to Charlotte Murray, a consultant at ClearSight, about AI and ethics in the workplace and the potential impact decisions in this area have on ourselves and our organisations. Hi Charlotte, thanks for joining us today. Hi Anthony, thanks for having me. No problem at all. Well, it's a really big topic, the artificial intelligence and ethics and everything, but you've obviously come with this uh, passion in this area. So why is this an interesting topic right now? So as a company that works with AI and machine learning every day, really the interesting thing isn't the AI itself, but it's the way it's being applied in the workplace every day. So. AI has actually been around for a number of years already, so 20 or so years ago, um, AI was being used to beat the world's best chess champion at chess, um, which at that time was you know, not a really significant impact on the rest of the world. But now, today, AI is all around us in all the devices we use, and the ability for it to have a significant impact on our day-to-day lives is really real and with that becomes quite a significant risk and especially in the workplace AI is all around us and some of the biggest tech giants to the small startups they're using it every day to determine how to interact with people. So for example, um, Amazon has just patented patented a technology for um, wristbands for their um, office workers, sorry, their factory workers, to give them a small nudge to encourage them to be more efficient at work. Similarly, a small tech startup called Humanize um, now sells smart ID badges where it tracks the behaviour of all of their employees to understand how they interact with each other. So really it's all around us every day but now AI and machine learning are being applied in situations that can have really quite significant impacts on people's lives. It's now being applied in medical settings, in legal settings and in the workplace AI can now determine who you should hire, who you should fire and that actually is more of an ethical decision rather than something that should be made by a computer. So what we try and do at ClearSight every day is try and incorporate these ethical design principles when we're building this technology to make sure that this artificial intelligence remains beneficial to the workplace rather than working against it. That's really interesting. I mean, already there's so many points there. And I suppose you could say the difference between AI today versus AI 20 years ago is actually the machine learning part and the fact it's all interconnected now, whereas there used to probably be one thing used to do be a bit intelligent in the past. Yeah, in the past, I think the biggest limitation was the amount of memory that the computer had. So it could do the computations, but its ability to remember what those commands were 20 or so years ago wasn't anywhere near the same as it is today so today I'm I'm sure you're familiar with the term big data so machines now can crunch millions and millions and millions of data points in a a matter of seconds which is you know maybe the same as what an army of statisticians could do in a couple of years but now artificial, artificial intelligence and machine learning techniques can do it in a matter of seconds so really we have a lot of power but Excuse the, t- excuse the pun, with great power comes great responsibility. So we need to start thinking about how to apply these really advanced technologies and techniques in a way that benefits society. 
Okay, and you talk about a clear site, which I know you do a load of AI and machine learning there. Um, you talk about these certain standards that you're trying to adhere to. Can you give me an example of what one of those might look like? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there are a lot of ethical frameworks that are out there, but the main ones that ClearSight adhere to are that of explainability. So that's the transparency and explainability of um, the technical process and logic. Um, Secondly, accuracy. So the degree to which the output is representative of the truth. And lastly, fairness, so that any decision-making is done impartially and it's not um, affected by any sensitive data. So that's like gender and race, for example. So one example is that one of our technologies is uh, one that uses natural language processing. So basically the machine has learned how to read and it can summarise thousands and thousands and thousands of employee language into the top 10 or 20 themes. So it gives you the ability to look across lots of language in an unbiased way. But really, no technology is completely unbiased. A technology is only as good as its creator. And in order for this technology to be able to learn how to read language, we have to teach it how to read language. And at ClearSight, every single one of us is involved in teaching it how to understand language. So what's really important is that the training data that's being used to train the technology is representative of a broad range of characteristics, values, cultures, etc. So that, for example, when we're asking it to give us an understanding of racism, it doesn't just reflect what one person experiences as racism, but actually we need to understand what those experiencing racism and how they describe it so we can make sure that the output of our technology is representative and fair to all classes. And, and how would a customer, what would they, uh, I'm just thinking of someone who came to ClearSight or any other brand that's out there, as we know, um, how would they, what should they say to you guys to actually know that you guys have this ethical stance when you're using your AI? What's a good question to be asking? So I think a good question would be, you know, how does the machine work? (laughs) And we're completely transparent about that. And what we find when we're kind of bringing people on the journey of what ClearSight is, is that we should be completely transparent with how the technology works. So the first point I mentioned was transparency. And I think that's where a lot of organisations fail. So a lot of the AI systems out there are referred to as black box systems. So you're literally not allowed to know what goes on under the hood of the AI and there have been some really high profile cases of when that's gone really wrong so quite famously in the criminal justice system there have been a number of people that have been sent to prison because an AI told the judge to do it I think the most famous one was a gentleman called um, Eric Loomis. So he was sentenced to six years in prison because an AI called Compass said that he had a really high reoffending risk. When he appealed and asked what was the logic behind that decision, which is, by the way, a fundamental human right in the criminal justice system, you have to be able to know the reason why you've been accused of such a thing. Compass just came back to them and said, no, sorry, I'm, this, I'm afraid this is intellectual property, we can't tell you. So that's obviously a quite an extreme case, but actually at ClearSight, where we try and improve working lives, a lot of that does involve 
you know, decision makings around who should we give, you know, training to, who should we decide maybe should go up for a promotion. And part of that is being really transparent with how we've come to those decisions. And we're a big believer that the human should never be removed from the loop. Actually, the technology should facilitate the human rather than replace the human. So when someone asks us, how have you come to decide which group of people, you know, would be likely to be a future leader we can come to you with the data and show you exactly how that's done which I think is really important to get people to trust the output as well. And that's really interesting because you're, you're linking the AI and the ethics to actually what goes on in the organisations and the people which kind of brings me on to my next question which is so what is the role of HR and, and human resource professionals and leaders around AI and ethics? So HR is one of quite a few stakeholders in the whole AI and ethics debate. So by the time that AI is in HR's hands, it's already been built. But they do have a really important role in auditing the output that comes out of an AI. So if you're using an AI to help you determine who you should hire, then an HR professional should really be thinking, okay, but how, is, how have you come to that decision? I think it is really healthy to start a dialogue of questioning and scrutiny of what comes out of these AI systems because they aren't always accurate and they aren't always fair. So HR do have a really important role in this to be thinking about, okay, if it's suggesting that these people I, should, I shouldn't hire, why is that? What's the data that it's using to go into that model? How is it modeling that data? How has it come to that decision? So HR is definitely an end user of that, but they do have the, the ability to interact with a number of other stakeholders as well to help kind of scrutinize the output of that. So for example, the coders that create the technology, HR, I feel, if you've bought that technology, you should have a direct relationship with the people that have made the technology to understand how have they created those algorithms that are determining who should get hired and who should get fired, who should get promoted, and really start working with those people in order to understand are there potential biases that have gone into the data model that could you know, present an unfair outcome that doesn't reflect reality? So HR, I think, they are really responsible for generating that conversation, starting a dialogue with, with everyone, including the people that are affected by those decisions. Because if someone's having their future determined by an AI, I think HR really need to be you know, the leader of that conversation and start bringing people on board with why HR is really instrumental here. And that's really interesting, isn't it? Because if you think about HR director, they need to have an understanding of every part of every discipline in HR, but they're not necessarily the specialist. But they need a head of reward who understands the reward mechanisms. They need a head of talent who understands the exact nuts and bolts of how talent is assessed. So really, they need an understanding of AI to the point that they could be challenging with those questions, but they would probably still need a bit of an expert to be able to get to the bottom of, of actually how do these things work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in a lot of cases, these AI systems that go out into the marketplace, the, the diversity of the team that have been used to build these AIs don't actually reflect the diversity of the people that are affected by these AIs. 
So I think it's really important that HR are kind of the mediators between the two to make sure that actually the outcomes of the AI are beneficial to everyone and not just a certain type of person. Yeah, and I'm just thinking there should be some kind of ISO rating or some standard mm. that maybe technology companies should be should be assessed against to see if they are ethical in their practice. Because you're right, you're saying that HR is probably the end user. Well, the actual employee is the end mm. user, but HR is the user of the technology, but it goes all the way back upstream. Mm. Um, all these stakeholders who've taken some decisions before it gets to them. Absolutely. Cool. Well, that's really interesting. And, and I'm always, when I'm doing these podcasts, looking to the future and looking to see how what we know now might impact in the world of HR moving forward in the world of people. So how do you see the world of AI and especially how it fits in with ethics? Ethics. How do you see that being used in the future or what's going to happen in the future? I think there's a really big future for AI and a lot of people are actually really quite scared of it. Um, I think we're already seeing um, in the next five or so years some really big movements in the settings and the context which AI is applied in. So um, I'm sure everyone is familiar with the driverless car debate and the ethics around, you know, if there's an old lady or a, chill or a child in the road, who do you hit? Um, and that's got to be programmed into an algorithm which is rule-based, but actually ethics isn't rules-based. It's very contextual, it's very subjective, and having to teach AI these ethical, social, cultural norms that not even humans can agree on universally, I think is going to be quite, quite complex. Um, also, in the, we're in the era of fake news, um, and AI has a really big role to play, as we've seen with Facebook in determining people's opinions on very big matters like political elections. So, again, we need to start thinking about the context in which we apply AI and how it has to adhere to these ethics. And lastly, automation, something that a lot of employees are really scared of, the fact that they think robots are going to replace them. But actually, I think there is a lot more to be said for that. I think there are definitely a lot of situations where perhaps there may be some replacement of employees by the by AI. But I think as long as um, organisations see the kind of the ethical dilemma here and look to retrain their existing talent, that's really important. But also that AI is going to generate a lot of new jobs as well. So Accenture actually did um, some research into this and they identified that three main jobs that are going to come out of AI are explainers, so people who interpret the output of AI systems, sustainers, so people who try and optimise the effectiveness of those systems, and trainers, so people who feed AI's capacity for judgement. And they even identified quite a specific uh, job title, so automation ethicist, so someone that um, evaluates the non-economic impact of these systems. So I think we really need to start thinking about if we are applying AI in a whole new range of contexts that we didn't actually consider when these AIs were being built, then we need to start thinking about the, the principles, the multiple layers of ethics that AI has to navigate in order to make sure that the technologies that we're building are actually beneficial to mankind. 
it's such a big area, isn't it? Mm. And I think um, with the world economy and organisations being global now, some of the mm. biggest organisations in the world being at the core of this AI, it's actually hard now to see how governments will actually legislate for that because governments have a smaller remit than global organisations. Mm. So it's almost like you're looking to the United Nations to put something together on ethics and AI, really. Yeah, yeah. So there already is a number of kind of global movements that are looking at trying to create a universal ethical framework for AI. But the problem is that ethics isn't universal and Mm. it's constantly evolving. So something that we consider unethical now wasn't necessarily unethical 50 or so years ago. But you're right, I think the, the government does have a role in this and there are so many stakeholders in this whole debate. I mean, we've got the regulators that need to be auditing firms and making sure they aren't breaching employees' human rights. We've got researchers that need to be looking for all of the potential ways that bias could be incorporated into these machines, which is a really big problem because if you incorporate bias into the design stage of these technologies, technologies, it's often too late when they've already been released. They're already having their impact. So it's really important to identify the bias as early as possible before it actually gets released into the real world but also we do have a responsibility as companies and people who use these technologies to start a dialogue around how these technologies could potentially be perpetuating biases from 30 or so years ago because of the data they've been trained with and how to stop all of this progress that we've made towards equality and civil rights under the guise that actually we think that technology is neutral but technology is only as good as its creator so we have a responsibility as the people who creates the technology to make sure it does serve humanity's core core ethics and principles. And that's that's a wonderful, wonderful point. when as a quote I got recently was the world is never going to be this slow again mm. because the world is always speeding up on how we do things but actually what you're saying is if I, we let AI loose without any ethics but the ethics might be stuck in how we first programmed it 20-30 years ago so we might evolve as humans and have a different view of ethics mm. but the core coding of mm. some of these big pieces of AI might be stuck in the past. Absolutely. We need to start having these conversations now and have them constantly. And we, and like I just said, we all need to get involved. We need to start thinking beyond the technicians, but also involve psychologists, people who work in ethics, sociologists, people from a wide range of backgrounds and disciplines to start thinking about the social cultural context that AI operates in. But take to your point, a real time view of this. We can't only be addressing this every five or so years because things move on so frequently. Yeah, and talking about moving on so frequently, (laughs) I know we're coming towards the end of our time in this podcast, but I really want to ask a question. Just one thing. So what one thing can business leaders be doing now to help prepare themselves for the future? I think the business leaders in any business are the ones that are responsible for making sure that they are starting and leading the dialogue around ethics because they are the 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 voice of the organization so if you are incorporating these ai technologies in your organization 
you really need to start thinking about what's going into this AI and how is it affecting my people because people work with AI because they want it to be beneficial so if you're incorporating an AI that's helping you decide who should you hire, who should you fire, you really need to think about, is it just going to be perpetuating the prior decision-making and biases from 40 or so years ago, or is it actually going to create meaningful change in my organisation? I think it's really about getting every person from every level of the organisation on board with the dialogue to hear their experiences and making sure that people actually have a platform for providing feedback on how AI is used. And I think it's really important that leadership create a culture of being able to have your voice heard in this debate because it is, it's really important that people feel if they are having their lives determined by this technology that they have the ability to input into it as well. And that's great. And so essentially, um, business and organisations out there and HR leaders need to be thinking now about how to open the debate about using AI inside of the organisations uh, moving forward and talk to the employees. And we talk about continuous listening and feedback and it's a great example of where we should be talking to people. Yeah, and AI is constantly learning and all of this data which organisations are gathering can be used to make AI better. So all of this qualitative, rich feedback that you're getting for employees, this can be used to help create a better technology for you that is you know, beneficial for, for your employees. So it's really about just using the data you're already gathering and truly listening to people to help AI learn. Well, um, I've got so much to take away with me, Charlotte. It's, it's a really interesting. I've taken a load of notes here. Thank you ever so much for your time. We really got to end the podcast now, even though I want to turn this into a serial of podcasts just by <laughs> itself. So thanks for your time today. Thank you. And um, I'm just to the HR community. I'm off to review my CV and now decide if I'm going to be an explainer, sustainer or trainer in the future. <laughs> um, but uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you have any feedback on this or any comments, then please do share it with us at tapped and uh, put some comments on your favorite podcast channel make sure you do subscribe to us and um, so you can hear about future podcasts coming up and thanks for your time and speak to you soon bye